Hello and welcome to another episode of the Badfani Viewpoint podcast. My name is Manali Shah and today's conversation is going to be all about startups. Joining us is Vinod Kumar, the founder of Naturally Yours, a healthy noodles and pasta brand. Vinod holds an MBA from the Cardiff Business School in the UK. He has over 14 years of experience in marketing, sales and leading new business launches. Prior to this, he served in leadership positions at InnoServe, which has now been sold to Amazon. Vinod, welcome to the show and thank you so much for taking the time out to be here. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure being here. Great, let's get straight to the conversation. So you studied in the UK and then you came back to India and you saw a gap in the market for organic healthy noodles or healthy pasta or healthy category basically and you decided to launch naturally yours uh, in 2010. So how did you go about analyzing the gap in the market? We did not launch the noodles and pasta thing in 2010 because it is a very recent phenomenon. uh the noodles brand is just a two and a half year old brand but in 2010 we launched as a organic store now the story behind the organic store is very interesting actually right in fact there are two motivations that actually triggered uh my desire to open an organic store because in 2010 there was hardly any idea as such uh one was when i was in cardiff i used to have organic food and that's when i came in touch with organic food i mean i came back there was hardly anything available in indian uh, supermarkets right uh that was one and second is i had a chance visit to to an organic farm down south and uh, one of the things that i asked uh, the farmer there is hey you know how do you sell your produce um you know how does the logistic work and all of that because i knew organic products sell pretty good in the uk at that time this was this was back in uh, 2010 and uh, the person said that you no know, he sells it to the local market only and he doesn't get any premium for that and that's when the idea triggered that you know we could do something in this space where there was there were a lot of farmers like him uh, who were doing a great job but they did not have any market as such so i said why not have a bridge and when i studied the entire thing uh, what i found out was there was a huge lack of awareness right and lack of awareness comes with talking to consumers so we started in 2010 out of a small 100 square foot store uh, in bombay as an organic store right we st- our journey started out from that uh, and it evolved over the years from an organic store to an online store to to an organic superfood brand uh, and now to our latest ever there in uh, healthy noodles and pasta space and every twist and turn has uh, you know we learned a lot of lessons through all of these business formats i would say these are these were literally new businesses so the business is under the same name but they were literally new businesses in new areas for us right and every time we pivoted or we moved on to that Uh, we learned huge amount of lessons, and yeah, so that's been the journey, and it's been 12 years now. And uh, myself and my co-founder Priya, we have had one hell of a journey uh, throughout this uh, time, and we have enjoyed every bit of it. Right, that's so interesting. With so many uh, changes as the brand has evolved and pivoted, and we can't wait to dive more into those uh, changes and what drove those decisions. But before we get uh, to that stage, so when you came back and you realized this uh, gap in the market, right? You identified a gap in the market. So did you do any market gap analysis, or how did you go about it, and how did you estimate the market size at that point of time? 
so there were a lot of reports there were a lot of online reports there were a lot of reports from different uh, this thing that i read but uh, the best thing that we could do was actually speak to the actual end consumers and actual farmers that is what we did uh, and uh, fortunately before we started there was this um, uh, huge conference which happens even now called biofac and uh, that was a place where all uh, buyers and sellers of organic come together every year right uh, this year it is in delhi coincidentally that uh, when we started it was in bombay and it was like a huge uh, boost for us because we could meet everybody right from the farmers to the sellers to the brands to everyone in one single place and we got we did tons of research over the 3 4 days that they were present here and uh, we got lot of connections and through that we also went and met a lot of we visited myself and priya we visited a lot of farms to understand how organic as such works because back in 2010 we were not only selling uh, packaged food we were also selling uh, vegetables and fruits we were doing same day deliveries you know same day delivery is a big thing today right okay. so we were doing back in 2010 we were doing same day deliveries um, in fact in in most of our locations where our stores were presented we did uh, within an hour delivery right oh, so wow. those are the things that we did back way back in 2010 and uh, yeah so um, so the research primarily was uh, from the research material that we got but the biggest learnings that we had was from directly talking to the stakeholders you know right. uh, if anybody is looking to start this thing i think that's the best place to start from uh, both sides the buyer side and the seller side if you once you have a look at it you will understand if there is a reasonable kind of a demand but at the end of the day um, when you start the business is when you understand whether there is a demand or no right. but yeah but your basic analysis you can be done and we found that there was a reasonable demand here that's why we went full in and we said let's start something here okay so naturally you all started as a physical store in bombay and then moved to an online only model so what are the key factors that drive a change in business plan one of the key factors that you know throughout the journey we have been bootstrapped right so there has been a huge emphasis for us to be profitable to be cash positive now with with a standalone store if you had just one store then yeah we were profitable uh, until we had one store once you start expanding into um, into newer formats into larger formats into other kind of stores the capital requirement is pretty high and not profitable right and that is something that we didn't, that as a model we did not like same thing happened with our online thing you know online initially we were profitable but the, as the cac starts pushing up and since most mm-hmm. of the products we did not have right um we were we were kind of an amazon for all things good there are a lot of stores that have come up now but back in 2015 when we did that we were pretty much um, all of that right and uh, but unfortunately again uh, the requirements for being profitable Uh, you'll have to hold a lot of capital to be profitable till a very long time most of uh, our online uh, players even today are not profitable so that okay. so that is a big question mark for us as a business model and that's when that is when we say okay we will give the model a solid one two years and if it still doesn't turn around in terms of profitability in terms of the growth that we want to achieve then we will uh, kind of move on to something that makes sense for us uh, business wise as well Okay, and how does a startup gear up and initiate such an important change in the business model? Oh, for us, it came natural, right? In terms of um, so, whenever we see a gap, we we find uh, uh, you know, as as a business, you always keeps find you keep finding a lot of gap. 
but it's a decision whether you want to go into that gap or not and uh, for us the decision like like i told is very was very it was very natural right because if we if we are not profitable we will not be able to meet our payrolls if you are not profitable if we, we will not be able to uh, expand and all of those things right so that was our profitability and cash positivity for a bootstrap company these are the two arms or two legs that you uh, uh, on walk on right if these are not present for a very long time then that's a big problem and that's when we we say that okay uh, we take a long term horizon but then uh, if this doesn't work out uh, for a good two years and we don't see that horizon that's when we uh, that's when one should make a change right it, it doesn't come overnight but uh, the metrics are there and uh, and then also as an entrepreneur who is into it uh, i think everybody has a solid gut feel that hey this is not going to work out i better do something else right so that's that's when we started pivoting right so on an average would you say that two years is a good enough time to give something a shot and see whether it's shaping up the way you want it to absolutely absolutely uh, at least to at least uh, from our framework we look at a two year framework one is uh, some of the metrics is the growth the business should have grown um, the business should be profitable the business should generate cash that means uh, uh, basically it means that there is a certain market size there is uh, a big enough problem for you to solve that people are bothered Correct. about and third uh, people are ready to pay for it right i am again i am purely talking from a very bootstrap angle i am not talking from yeah. an angle of a uh, 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 investor or or a vc funded or an angel funded uh, company because uh, uh, they have very different metrics that they look at um, we are not that so we we are not looking at those kind of metrics because most other they will look at a gmv and all of that but that's uh, there's no right or wrong way but this is right, right for us we do it right right and in terms of changes uh, were there any organizational structural changes that you made while you planned for this change there were um, uh, there were no intentional changes as such but uh, uh, you know people being people a lot of people sometimes you know uh, who are with you in the journey they don't believe it and then they leave you like we had our entire team when we shifted from a retail to a online space our entire team resigned the top team resigned uh, because they didn't have faith that we could do anything there uh, so so but it did not happen in other um, consequently but it did happen so so it is a very very tough call that we need, we had to do but we had to do that right because we uh, found that that was a right for the company and we found that uh, as an organic store we could not survive as such in terms of the expenses that were happening and we did not see growth or profitability there right so we that's right. why we had to okay and you mentioned that you know, you've been uh, bootstrapped so naturally yours has been bootstrapped through and through and in my opinion today there's a popular notion that to be a successful profitable d2c brand you do need funding whether it's angel funding or uh, you know so on and so forth now what would you say to that in the sense that how have you managed to sustain your business while being bootstrapped so a couple of things right um, so it's a conscious decision to be bootstrapped uh, not saying that uh, funded companies are bad or or that path is uh, wrong uh, that that's that's completely an entrepreneur's call right yeah. now being bootstrapped allows uh, allowed us to do a lot of things that's right for our brand and for our customer for example uh, it allowed us to focus in only one category we, we will not 
like we'll not do 10 different categories and see what works we know this works uh, we go deep down like for example the range of noodles and pasta that we have no other brand in this country in the entire of india has probably even in the us no other brand has that kind of range now that has been developed those products have been developed not just basis of our whims and fancies it has been developed basis of feedback from our customers you know customers came back and mm-hmm. said hey we want uh, i love quinoa but i'm not able to have quinoa why don't you make a quinoa noodles for us uh, or customers have come back and said you know your noodles are great but we want gluten free based noodles can you make something in that space so it it has come from that deep knowledge that we have had and d2c allows us to do that but um, as a as a brand so we look at our business as a brand not a specific channel right when you say d2c you put yourself in a particular box saying that d2c and to mm-hmm. be honest no brand in india uh, can be d2c a lot of people say that they are d2c but no brand in india can survive as a d2c brand after a certain revenue level of course they will have a certain revenue level but beyond that you cannot survive in the uh, you cannot just do online the reason is indian market is not yet that big for uh, brands to become a, let's say a 500 crore brand or a 1000 mm-hmm. crore brand just online they will have to have a mix a huge mix of offline to come with online yeah online you can you could lead online and then you right. could um, then you could uh, uh, go offline because that's exactly what we are doing right mm-hmm. we have been online and our online gives us huge amount of data in terms of consumer insight let's say right. for example in north you would typically think that delhi is one of the biggest markets for our noodles and pasta and that is what we thought but um, here is a, a very uh, interesting fact that uh, lucknow is one of the fastest growing region for us in terms of oh, demand wow. for our noodles and pasta so if i want to start uh, let's say a distribution channel in uh, in north right. it should start lucknow because right. that's where there is a huge demand growth coming so these are the insights that a brand should use and then move on to that and being bootstrap uh, helped us to crack our uh, you know we know our unit economics if somebody hmm. says that hey uh, this is the kind of margin i want uh, we can uh, myself and my co-founder we can do a back of envelope calculation and straight away see whether it works for us or no right we don't need uh, you know exhaustive excel or we don't need all of that because we know exactly at what point we make money at what point we do not make money and we track that every single day whether it is online or offline so we know those numbers so knowing those numbers are super important when you bootstrap right uh, when you have lot of funds in your pocket and and you are just going for growth you may ne- not necessarily need all of those things you may not necessarily look at those things but for us those uh, points are fundamentally very important uh, as a brand right so that's that's what uh bootstrapping and uh, being a brand in bootstrap uh, d2c if you want to put it that way makes uh, you know that's how i be look at it wonderful that's great insight and something that uh, possibly every entrepreneur who's looking to be bootstrap should keep in mind and any schemes that they should keep in mind uh, while they are bootstrapped some ways to just keep the cash flow go, uh, you know smooth running smooth oh, that tons of it first um, you know a, a lot of time what happens is, is this happened with us also right when you bootstrap you are thinking are oh, who will fund me how will i fund my this growth how will i grow on amazon how will how will i buy let's say you have to pay in advance sometimes right because nobody believes you so how how do i do that you know 
there are tons of ways you can actually uh, raise money in terms of debt right but for debt primarily your balance sheet should be good and your uh, pnl should be good to a certain extent you know in in the sense that you should definitely be profitable and the right. and your cash should be coming in uh, even if it is uh, negative at the initial stages it should be coming in so those are the kind of businesses that get kind of debt fund now one of the best way for d2c brands to raise is something called as a revenue based financing rbf right when industry they call it rbf so revenue based financing helps you to bridge that gap of growth and inventory funding right so basis your revenue you get funded a certain amount of money let's say your revenue is 20 lakhs per month you can get funding as much as 10 lakhs uh, as loan okay. which you'll have to pay back in 7 uh, 7 months at about 12% rate and okay. uh, that that uh, loan amount is taken away from your bank account every single day so it is not like you know mm-hmm. emi jaisa chalta rahega waisa nahi every right. single day 2000 3000 and let's say your revenue goes up you pay more your revenue comes down you pay less so your cash mm-hmm. flow is also not frequently hurt okay. and that's a great discovery that we have had the paperwork is not too much on something like that you can easily mm-hmm. get it and this is all without any collateral okay. um the second way you can raise is you know your typical odcc um the third thing that you can do is for uh, uh, without just to uh, you know elaborate on that yeah, yeah, for yeah. very young founders or aspiring founders who may not know these terms if you can just yeah. uh, go into a little more detail okay so an od od is an overdraft account okay uh, overdraft or cash credit account an od account basically uh, you will get with most government banks you will get it private banks usually do not give it to a startup right if you are one year in you will easily get an odcc account with any of this uh, the government banks under a lot of schemes uh, one of the scheme is called as cgtsme right so this is a government of india scheme specifically for msme right that is the uh, mm-hmm. micro small medium enterprises now under msme you will have to first get your sub register in msme which takes right. about like a couple of hours to get an msme certificate you can do it online yourself we did it online ourselves right Great. you don't need to go to any agent or anything you just need to go online within like half an hour 45 minutes you can get thing done max 2 hours right and once you have that you go to any of the um, public sector bank or you go to banks like idbi and tell them that i need a loan under uh, cgts me scheme so the government india government of india gives up to 2 crores uh two small medium enterprises under this scheme which is collateral free and the interest rates are anywhere between 8 to 14% percent. right okay. uh, so this is a great thing that not many people know but is uh, this is something that you could utilize in the initial stages right so again this is a debt funding so debt right. uh, in in my view debt is always way cheaper than equity lot of times mm-hmm. as founders we uh, we say that ar mere equity ka value kya hai तो इक्विटी ले लो गिव मनी बट दे डू नॉट एक्सप्लोर दिस नाउ थर्ड वे इज समथिंग ऑफ एन ऑफ एन एसेड राइट लेट्स से इफ यू लेट्स एन फाउंडर हैज वर्क्ड फॉर सम इयर्स एंड ही हैज इन्वेस्टेड इन शेयर्स एंड म्यूचुअल फंड्स एंड ऑल ऑफ दैट राइट ही कैन लेवरेज दो म्यूचुअल फंड्स और दो शेयर्स गिव इट टू बैंक एज अ कोलेट्रल एंड एंड लेवरेज दैट लाइक फॉर एग्जाम्पल दे समथिंग कॉल्ड एज लैस right loan against shares mm-hmm. let's say um, and any bank will give you right let's say an icici hdfc any of them will give right. you at a very low interest rate at an interest rate of 8 to 9% you will get up to 20 lakhs 
underlines right but you if you have that's an asset underlining that's asset right. i think that is something that you should go for last uh, last if you do not have any of these things but these right. first two things definitely you should explore and you should do something there let's also talk about funding a little bit uh, you know in the same vein uh, so let's say a startup is looking to get funded when is the right time see there's no right time or this thing you can get seed funding you, there are there are plenty of angels right mm-hmm. uh, but i would say uh, the best way to get funding is to get start with some uh, don't just go at an idea level especially i'm i'm when i'm talking about funding i'm talking about the uh, the food space or the food and the beverage space mm-hmm. right i i have no idea about how fashion works i have no idea about other categories right um because i have been through and through doing food businesses i can tell you this for a fact that the great thing about food businesses you get uh, you can validate your idea very quickly right uh, you can start your website you can start do a bit of advertisement at, at a very 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 minimal uh, price you can understand whether there is a market or no and once mm-hmm. you have that data Uh, that will get you a lot of confidence when you go in front of an investor and say hey you know what uh, this is what i found uh, this is what i think is a future and this is what i think i can grow my company to and that's when uh, an investor probably might also be interested but it should be a big enough uh, uh, you know problem to solve if it is a very niche problem most investors are risk covers that way but i feel it's a very counter intuitive thing right but uh, most brands get built when they are uh, always in a niche and then they go on to become broad no brands yeah. start broad and then go on to do niche right, right. so, so that uh, that's something that when you're starting off and going to this thing validate your idea with customers mm-hmm. for sure and know your numbers know your numbers through and through because if you don't know your numbers uh forget about the investor you wouldn't be able to run your business beyond a certain point right, right. So you should know your numbers especially in terms of what your margins are and mm. how much what are the variable cost and all of those things you should definitely know those numbers okay and what are the checks and balances a startup should ensure while looking to raise funds what should they have in place uh so uh, so don't dilute too much too fast right try to um, do the initial first 6 months via bootstrapping because you you are the experience that you gain via bootstrapping will be phenomenally high than when you have money because when you have money what happens is right you can easily throw money at problems but when you bootstrap you are constrained for money every single day so you have to think of ways in which uh, you can uh, you have to do with far lesser like like for example you have to probably get in tech right at a very early stage yeah. you have to get in tech and that also tech which is not very expensive and that boost your businesses like we have included so much tech in our business and um, and we are using all of those at a fraction of cost which are which are large which are a competitor of which one of our competitors are using they are spending tons of money on that we are doing at a fraction of the size right uh, one of our competitor i know they have spent about they have spent probably 20 30x the money uh to get to the same revenue that we had right so those are the wrong things that you will do when you have money uh, mm-hmm. so you raise a round raise a small round initially validate your idea and uh, don't dilute too much too fast uh, even if you are looking at you know great brands if you want to have an example of huge brands brands like boat right they didn't they did not raise huge amount of funds 
now the founders yeah. have over 50% plus uh, stake when they going to ipo and that's a huge success story that they will have right. so that's a founder first success story not an investor first success story right as a founder i will back founders only but that's that's yeah, how <laughs> uh, yeah the, i think that's how they should think if they're going for funding great this has been very very informative i'm sure this is uh, new information for a lot of the young and aspiring uh, founders uh, that are tuning in so uh, it's it's going great thanks for this and uh, my next question is about the supply chain network that you built so Uh, naturally always works with hundreds of farmers organic farmers um so how have you managed to build this supply chain network and sustain it so these are years and years of uh, you know i should give credit to my co-founder priya here uh, she has built a very robust network of uh, farmers of uh, processors of all of that right and uh, uh, this again through um, networking speaking to one farmer visiting their farm looking at how they work and all of that so this was built one by one 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 contact at a time and uh, we have nurtured those relationships over over a period of time over now at least 10 plus years now and uh, that's when we now 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 practically uh, right in between of a pandemic also we never had any supply chain we had like probably 20 30% supply chain issues but uh, 70% of our stock was always there and that wow. is because of this uh, very strong network that priya has built um, right. across the across the country and uh, i think uh, that is something a lot of people don't understand that that is kind of one of the backbones right you can get how much of a sale that you want but if you don't right. have a robust supply chain then uh, then uh, you know Correct. then it is very, very difficult to service all of that correct so what are the essentials or fundamentals you would say uh, that you need to sustain or even grow a, a robust uh, supply chain network like this a uh, uh, fundamental is that you need to be uh, there two three things one is you need to pay people on time right this is very basic but a lot of people don't do a uh, lot of uh, retailers don't do that's why they get hammered uh if you, if you have to, if i have to give an example of a great retailer who does that is uh, dmart right dmart mm-hmm. pays most of its vendors within 7 uh, days now because of that most of its suppliers within 7 days because of that they get super priority uh, service right. and they get great rates now mm-hmm. uh, if you go to dmart they are never out of stock but mm-hmm. other large format don't do that they make suppliers run pillar to post and okay. because of which um uh, their businesses models are pretty uh, weak that as such so we follow something very similar right uh, wherever uh, a farmer or a uh, or or a partner says that okay these are my terms we try to stick to that terms as much as possible and there are rare occasions that we we were not able to stick to those i'll be honest with that but we we were upfront with them saying that hey you know this is the issue uh we have having some cash flow problems people understand that right? right but you need to be honest and through and through with uh, understanding uh, explaining that to them and i think uh, they are more than happy to give you a bit leeway and you 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 pay all your debts right and same thing with employees also a lot of time mm-hmm. people i have seen especially in the startups if people don't pay on time and yeah. that is pretty horrendous to do that because people are coming to you not only uh, you know risking their career but they're also 
you know uh, need to be paid on time if they are not yeah. even paid on which is which is the base, most basic thing that you can do uh, then that's pretty bad like you know in the last 13 years i don't think we have uh, not a single i don't think i'm very sure <laughs> that we have not missed a single uh, payday and this is even during the pandemic right we never okay. asked anybody to take yeah. the pay cut we never asked uh, wow. anybody to leave it is they uh, you know let's say some people just went to their villages and all of that because of which they went away but okay. otherwise we never asked anybody to leave in fact we paid even people who did not come uh, to our offices so that's how we we have built our organization and we feel that that uh, those are the soft sides of things right everything okay. on the supply side everybody will tell you all all kinds of gan but even during the pandemic we got priority supply even during the worst of the crises uh, you you take you name the crisis we have been through two three economic crises right yeah. so including the pandemic we have always got priority supply the reason is because of all the soft things uh, that we did uh, right from paying people on time to speaking to giving them respect and speaking and uh, yeah. all of those things those things matter a lot um, so yeah yeah and has word of mouth been an important uh, aspect in growing the farmers groups or networks for you it is it is um a lot of farmers when we let's say they ask they have a good network farmers as such they have a good network of other farmers who do something very similar so let's say if they do not have a particular product or the thing they will refer us to somebody or someone else and okay. that's how slowly 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 we have grown but th- that is also a big uh, part of it but typically we have like two three suppliers for one product not more than that because we want to give good sizable businesses for each one of them okay okay got it you mentioned uh, technology in uh, one of your points earlier so let's let's talk a little bit about technology naturally yours has incorporated technology in a big way you use a chatbot to accept orders via whatsapp and here i have to uh, tell the all the people who are tuning in that i have tried it as well and i've had a fantastic experience it was super smooth i was a little bit hesitant to just give it a shot but uh, it was completely seamless at no point did i feel that my money will get stuck somewhere or you know there, there won't be a way to prove that uh, you know it's been paid or you know mm-hmm. those kind of doubts that people have uh, while making an payment in a new uh, uh, payment method but it was it was a fantastic experience and at every step i got a message assuring me that that step was done and what's to be done next so technology uh, for scale is a common refrain in startups so how should a startup uh, actually go about selecting the right tools to enhance productivity or to meet their business operations so i'll tell you oh, uh, specific i'll give you an example right so specifically with this uh, whatsapp thing right now whatsapp we had integrated it uh, uh, like right off the bat like 2 3 months into the this thing we had we did not have a chatbot we had, but we have kind of a very dumb kind of a chatbot which would just say hi hello and, and do nothing apart from that right we said that uh, a lot of we found uh, you know through data we found out a lot of our consumers are shopping post our office hours that our office hours are from 9 to 6 and they are shopping from right. 6 to 9 right so we said these are the and i used to you know sit and answer each one of them and it is to be it is to be very exhausting for me right and i said that this is not how how i think we can scale 
I cannot speak to like ten people at the same time. Let's say I speak to one also, but I cannot speak to ten people at the time. How do I track them, right? How do I speak to them? And as we were growing and uh, as more and more customers were coming onto our side, we, we found it extremely difficult to talk to all of them. So that's when we said, that's when my co-founder Priya, she is also not only operations, she also takes care of the technology part in the company, and she said. Hey, why not integrate chatbots, right? Nobody had heard of chatbots as such, but chatbot on WhatsApp. So very specific for us was chatbot on WhatsApp. The reason why we chose WhatsApp is WhatsApp is a very high trust environment, right? right? In India, the trust factor for online even today is very low, right? You have trust factor in very few online websites like Amazon or Flipkart or Big Basket, right. but every other website the trust factor is low. Like you know, what will happen to my money? Will yeah. this uh, will this go through? What if it gets rejected? Will I get back? I don't know who these guys are. So you need to put a platform which people are familiar with, people are comfortable with. That's when the chatbot. The chatbot took us three months to integrate because we were very specific with the chatbot vendor that these are the questions that I want to ask. Uh, these are some very unnecessary questions that you are asking. I don't want all of those things. I want um, if somebody says I want to pay here. They need to be able to pay here automatically, uh, right? So all of those things. Somebody wants to track. We found one of those other questions, right? That a lot of people want to come and track. So let them track. Right. Uh, so those are the things that we said that we should build and we should definitely have uh, from a from a building of a trust point of view. Scale and all those all that is fine. Uh, that will come. But from a tr- our entire goal was to build trust, right? And ease of use. And uh, that, and a lot of customers like you have appreciated that. That you know, because of the chatbot, it, it becomes very super easy for them to either order or even to the, even for that matter, just uh, converse and find out what right. their uh, what is the position of their delivery and all of that, right? And it allows us to track, right? Now, let's say sometimes uh, some occasions do happen when the chatbot is not able to understand. But now we have a place where everything gets recorded. and the customer service executive when they come in the morning they know that what to talk to the customer and how to resolve that so there is a record of all of the, or everything that's happening right. so we see certain trends happening and then we integrate again try to integrate that into the chatbot so it's an evolving process but uh, technology for us like i said has been we try to integrate wherever possible right and we also try to put everything onto the cloud our billing system is entirely cloud based uh our technology is entirely cloud based so let's say uh, the reason why we did that is post pandemic we realized that let's say tomorrow we we have only one person coming to office or nobody okay. coming to office we still need to be operational we still be need to be able to speak to con- uh, speak to customers right yeah. how do we do yeah. that and uh, that's why we just completely shifted everything to our billing system all was very based on you know uh, traditional it should be built on the system and all of those things We shifted everything online now, and going forward, we are only going to go more deep into that. Great, so I'm sure you recommend uh, the same thing to other startups that uh, try and adopt these. Absolutely, yeah. because it makes your life super easy, right? As founder, there is only so many fires you can fight. So, <laughs> technology helps you to uh, do two things. One, it it helps you to if you have processes, it helps you to keep those processes in line. and second is it makes life very easy for your customers uh, and your employees because they can do things in, in a very easy manner rather than uh, doing like uh, one work 10 times right you don't need to do all right. of those things 
right and how should they go about uh, deciding or selecting on the right kind of tech tools not everybody needs the same kind of uh, tools so how should they filter that through a very business centric right uh yeah. but uh, there are some common technologies that can be used like for example uh, your billing software can be online there are so many softwares the software we use is zoho uh, right yeah. uh, zoho is an indian company but we yeah. have built a fantastic software uh, highly recommend zoho books over any other software out there and their um, uh, customer service was also on the point very quick uh, so so that is something that you can use to take your billing online and then over that you can add a lot of layers to it let's say on if you want to build a website you can use something like a shopify it's a great platform on which a lot of tech can be added on right and a lot of it can be done by you or your co-founder right. so right. so it's pretty easy to integrate these things but then again it is very specific to every uh, business and they will have to figure out what are the uh, two things they'll have to figure out whether the cost makes sense to me and yeah. how much of a difference it is going to make in my customers life and how easy it is going to be for my employees to use it right so these are the three things you need to keep in mind If these three things work out then yeah then it should be okay okay super and we've uh, mentioned your co-founder priya prakash a few times so let's yeah. let's talk a little bit more about her your co-founder is also your uh, spouse so why is it a big advantage to work with somebody who's uh, you know who you share a relationship with or a sort of comfort zone oh um it's a huge plus point right now uh, uh, with priya she's not only my co-founder she's also my best friend right now it is super easy to converse with her we we of course we have our fights we have our differences we have all of that but both of us are mature enough to understand what's what and uh, we kind of have bifurcated our things our work as such right uh, so that she handles operations she handles uh, the tech side of things i handle sales marketing i handle that uh, and the finance side of things so so we we have very clearly bifurcated our roles so that we don't keep stepping on each other's toes that's one thing that we did and second uh, second what happens is let's say any large decision we say uh, we have a very simple format uh, on a whiteboard we just put pros and cons uh, if the pros are more or if the cons are more then uh, the decision is there on the whiteboard <laughs> so 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 uh, and because uh, because she's also my wife and uh, for her because i am her husband it becomes very easy for us to converse yeah it becomes uh, the difficulty for, for for us is that how do we keep this talk out of the bedroom how do we keep this talk uh, um, uh, you know 24 from not happening 24/7 that's yeah. the difficult part i would say <laughs> and um, it is very difficult for me as such to uh, switch off it is easy for priya to switch off but for me i'm i'm a very complicated person that way thing <laughs> of becomes very difficult uh, she needs to keep so we need we have a time off like you know she'll say you know this is a time off let's only discuss uh, uh, our life uh, outside business and kids yeah uh, let's not <laughs> discuss business now so that we we can think properly when we are in business with that we come to an end of this episode of the Vajpani Viewpoint podcast with Vinod Kumar the founder of Naturally Yours we've spoken about bootstrapping pivoting supply chain networks using technology and a whole lot more thank you once again for tuning in my name is manalisha and i'll see you in the next one